0: With Timmy as well as right guard Zach Zinter they pull out boom those blocks right there free Edwards and now he's gone and then it's about the vision and the cutback he gets the cutback there and it's a foot race to the end zone and Michigan's ground game strikes again Alright, we're almost there. We are almost to another college football Saturday, uh, which we all can't wait for. Welcome into the Joel Clatt Show. I'm Joel Klatt. Thank you for joining me. Uh, listen, folks, this show is really fun. Please share it with a friend. Go down, uh, go download, subscribe, uh, do all the things, rate, review us, uh, all those things. And also check out Wednesday's episode and Monday's episode. Great um, recap episode on Monday, in particular like that that Bama game with Tennessee. You're going to want to go check that out. My thoughts on Michigan uh, are in there. Then finally, I got to Ohio State. I haven't really talked a ton about Ohio State until Wednesday's episode, so make sure to go back, Ohio State fans, and check out Wednesday's episode. I get my, my thoughts on that. Plus, why divisions are garbage in college football. Um, a lengthy discussion there on why the structure in the three conferences that still have divisions need to change. Okay, Today, we're getting into picks. It's Thursday. We are looking forward to Saturday. We are looking at six games today. I've got some lines, some picks for you uh, as it relates to some of these big games on Saturday, and and there's some good ones. I can't wait for some of these games. I'm going to be at uh, the shoe for Ohio State and Iowa, so let's start there. Iowa at number two, Ohio State. Okay, so Ohio State's favored by 29 in this ballgame, and it's it's easy to understand why. Iowa has done nothing that would inspire any sort of confidence on the offensive side. And if you're going to beat Ohio State, in particular, in their building, you better bring a competent offense, and there's questions surrounding that specifically for Iowa. Um, This Iowa team is really good in the special teams and they're really good on defense and from that standpoint I think we're all interested and excited to see this Ohio State offense get tested by this defense from Iowa this defense is seventh in the country in total defense third in the country in passing defense third in the country in scoring defense uh they're number one in terms of giving up explosive plays meaning they just don't allow explosive plays and explosives for me are 30 yards or more that's how phil parker uh, talks about it i love that matchup seeing if this offense for ohio state which i think is the best in the country how do they play against a team that really makes you earn it that iowa defense is built um well, they're, they're one of my favorites in terms of their architecture and their structure on, on the defensive side. The way they're built is that they maintain their levels of defense in order to limit the explosive plays. When you talk with Phil Parker, the defensive coordinator for Iowa, he'll talk about two explosives or more, they're probably going to give up 15 points or more, and they're probably going to lose. If they give up two or less or less than two explosive plays, they're most likely going to win and most likely going to hold the opponent under 10 points. He goes back years and years and years with this data, and so what they do, they have built this defense to basically achieve that goal. They have this, this very simple structure, four three, four defensive linemen, three linebackers, and then four defensive backs, and they play quarters coverage. Quarters coverage means that the safeties are low and they're in this kind of pattern read. Rather than bore you with the schematics, I would just tell you that what is very difficult is is to get behind those safeties, number one, and two, run the ball for explosives because of those levels. They just maintain them. They don't get out of position. And because of their simplicity in terms of their structure, they can really major in what you're doing. So they are uniquely aware of your tendencies, little formation things that you do, um, which allows them to be effective and allows them year after year to put up these numbers as one of the best defenses in the country. That's why I can't wait to watch them play this Ohio State team now Ohio State on offense listen they got a bunch of freak shows over there right I I talked about it on Wednesday about how I've never seen in this sport while I've been covering this sport a team lose two first round receivers then have their best receiver that was returning who was a Bolitnikoff favorite best receiver in college football get hurt and they're fine they're absolutely fine Emeka Abuka and Marvin Harrison have 66 catches, over 1,000 yards, really over 1,100 yards, and 15 touchdowns. They are really good, but it's not just throwing the ball. They also average six yards per carry. They put an emphasis on getting tougher in the run game and more physical in the run game, and they've achieved that. They're fifth in the country in yards per carry. This offense is uniquely built to go and compete with the best Defenses in the country and still succeed. Because what the defenses, the best ones in particular in the country, try to do is they try to make you one dimensional. And you can't do that to this Ohio State team. They can't force you to throw it to just one wide receiver. And by the way, teams that have tried to do that, Cade Stover, the tight end, went off like Wisconsin. You can't force them to be just a running team because they've got Mayan Williams and Travion Henderson and they will hurt you running the football. So they can hurt you in any number of ways and this is their best test uh, test or biggest test thus far in the season and that's why i think it's such a great matchup um the other side is not a great matchup right there's no sugarcoating it for the iowa offense the iowa offense has been really bad so their defense has to create turnovers they've got to create short fields win the win the field position battle that's their only avenue for a win in this game at all. The only avenue they've got to have three, four, maybe even five turnovers. CJ Stroud's going to have to play his worst game that he's maybe ever played as a Buckeye. You're going to have to try to get these running backs to fumble. You might need a special teams turnover. You're going to need two, three, maybe even four short fields in order to get field goals or touchdowns. And even that might not be enough. Why is that? Well, take a look at Iowa's last game. So in their last game, they're coming off of a bye. And in their last game, they did all of those things and still lost at Illinois. I want to just take you through a drive sequence. And I know you've probably seen this on social media, but in the first half, this sequence is a re- is it's a real sequence actually happened in a Big Ten football game, in an Iowa football game. Iowa gets the ball at their own 27-yard line, nondescript. First half series, three plays minus 11 yards because of a sack and they need to punt. OK, you know, like that's fine. They punt again. They've got one of the best special teams in the country. Tory Taylor goes out there. It's a nice punt. Their defense goes on the field. Now they're on the Illinois 35 yard line. Um, or excuse me. The, they go out there. The punt is muffed. And they're able to get the ball at the Illinois 35-yard line. Okay, So great special teams play produces a short field after they went 3-and-out. They promptly go 3-and-out again for minus 6 yards. So now they're back at the Illinois 41, and they've got to punt again. So now they punt, and now they're backing up Illinois inside uh, their own 10-yard line. Illinois starts the drive on the 5, and they fumble. And now... Iowa gets a short field. And what does Iowa do? Well, they've got first and goal on the five and they promptly went backwards in four plays. So the three play sequence is this. Three plays, negative 11 yards punt. Muff punt, offense goes back on the field, three plays negative 6 yards punt. Fumble from Illinois offense, offense goes back on the field, four plays negative 4 yards field goal. That's insane. I've never seen anything like that in the last 11 drives offensively for Illinois in that, or excuse me, for Iowa in the Illinois game, the last 11 drives, they had seven punts, one field goal, one missed field goal, an interception, and the end of the game. What I'm trying to get at is the biggest test for Ohio State actually isn't even their offense against a very good Iowa defense. It's can they go out and dominate and prove that their defense is as good as what their statistics show they are. I think that's the biggest challenge for the Buckeyes. They're at home and they need to go out and dominate. This has got to be a statement game for the Buckeye defense. This is a Buckeye defense that is top 10 in the country right now in scoring defense, total defense, rush defense, passing defense, yards per play defense, and they're going to face an offense that has not had any success. So if you, if you want to make anybody believe in Ohio State's long-term sustainability to win a national championship, they better go out and thoroughly dominate this Iowa offense. Thoroughly dominate. We've seen other teams dominate them. If the Buckeyes are for real, they would go out there and dominate this Iowa offense. The spread is 29. Um, I'm not picking against the spread. I will just tell you this game would have to go perfectly for Iowa to win. Can't wait to go there. Can't wait to be around Ohio State. Haven't been around them yet. I I tend to get a really good feeling uh, for a team in the week in which I cover them, whether it was Alabama and Texas early in the season, the four straight that I've just been uh, with Michigan. You get a good sense for their team chemistry. You get a good sense for their motivation, what's going on in the program. And for those reasons, I'm really excited to get to Columbus and do this game and get around this Ohio State team, uh, in particular as they embark on what is becoming the stretch run of the season. I'll be with them this week against Iowa at home. I'll be with them again next week as they prepare to go on the road and play against Penn State. All right, let's move on. Next game. Number nine, UCLA at number 10, Oregon. So this could be the game of the day, and um, I can't wait to see how it plays out. There's a lot of factors in this game. These are the last two undefeateds in terms of conference play in the Pac-12. Okay, so the winner of this game is in a great position, great position, in particular with no divisions, great position to get to the conference championship game in the Pac-12. Um, The matchup also features a lot of similar things when you're looking at these teams. Veteran quarterbacks, Bo Nix for Oregon, Dorian Thompson Robinson for UCLA. Two teams that are very good running the football on the offensive side. Top two rushing teams in the Pac-12. There are some slight differences, though, and and that's where I want to try to focus on what's going on. While Bo Nix has been good, in particular after that loss to Georgia, which didn't go well throw that out first game for Dan Landing. first game for Bo Nix there after the transfer I tell you what let's give them the benefit of the doubt and throw it out okay so if you do that then what you'll see is Bo Nix has played pretty well they've certainly run the ball well they got into a tussle with Washington State and pulled it out a game in which they were down I believe by 12 with about four minutes left to go so that's going to be a galvanizing type of win for them So they're pretty good. However, in a veteran quarterback matchup, I think that the edge clearly goes to the other side and big games tend to follow quarterback play. I think we saw that last week. So if you look at what Dorian Thompson Robinson has done, the fascinating part for me is just how efficient he's playing. He's playing by far his best football of his career, and he's played a lot of it for UCLA and there's always been great potential because of his athleticism because of his arm strength and his overall talent uh, profile and that's been clear but now what you're seeing is a much more efficient quarterback completion percentage yardage the ability to run the ability to threaten the defense with his legs whether it's a designed run or not and more in particular if you look at his second half statistics This guy's playing his best football when it matters most in the second half. If you parse that out, nobody's playing better football than Dorian Thompson-Robinson in the Pac-12 at the quarterback position in the second half, and I think that that's what it's going to come down to. Don't we get a sense that when you get an evenly matched team or matchup, it comes down to playing great at the quarterback position, in particular when you're on the road? So UCLA is going to lean on DTR. The good part for DTR is that it's not just his ability to be two-dimensional and pass it and run it, but it's also their ability to be two-dimensional. I really like their passing game, but I think their strength is their ability to run the football. Zach Charbonnet has been really good for them, really for the last couple of years, but in particular this year. He's the leading rusher right now in the Pac-12, and when you look at what he's doing, he's five and a half per carry. So the Oregon defense will be challenged, and that's the one area where when you're looking at both of these teams, you're seeing, is there any area that one of the teams falls just slightly below in the matchup, and it would be Oregon's defense? Now, they're at home. I'm sure they're going to play great. That's a wonderful crowd and a great venue, but UCLA has a slight advantage. They're just a little bit more balanced. This is a defense that's playing very well for them. They're the number one total defense in the conference. They've got a quarterback that's playing just a little bit better than the opposing quarterback. They've got a running back that's just a little bit better than the running game for Oregon. Their defense is just a little bit better than what Oregon's is. And when you add that all up, you've got a team that can and I think will win this game on the road. Not many people win in Autzen Stadium. In fact, when you look back, Oregon has not lost at home since 2018. That's 22 straight wins at home. So that's a daunting task for the Bruins. There's no doubt about it. I think that they're built for it because they can run it, they can throw it, they can play great defense. All right. This is not a, this is not a team that's overly reliant on one area of their team. So they're built for the road more so than previous years. And actually, when you look at this this let's call it an arc of Chip Kelly's tenure at UCLA, here's what you're going to see is that every single year they've gotten a little bit better. All right. When you look at their winning percentage every year under Chip Kelly, just a little bit better. When you look at their play on the road specifically, what you'll find is this arc has has done what I always talk about when you're rebuilding or building a program, lose big, lose small, win small, win big. And that's what you see with UCLA in particular in their road games. If you go back to the Chip Kelly era, in their first 13 road games, they were 3-10. and 10. Not great. Not great. Not a team that had the requisite balance to go out and win on the road, in particular when you're looking at places that are really difficult, like Oregon. Now, what do you see since then? Well, in their last seven games on the road, dating back to last year, with DTR playing better, with a better run game, with the defense becoming better, with better and tougher and more physical line play on each side of the ball, they're 6-1 and in their last seven road games. So this team is... Much, they're in a much better spot to go on the road and to compete with and potentially beat Oregon. Now, Oregon is favored by six and a half. That's a lot. That's a lot. In particular, when I think UCLA is going to win outright. I think UCLA wins outright, and I still will maintain that UCLA, of the teams that have not gone to the playoff yet, they're the one that if I had to bet money on to make the playoff, Again, of the teams that have not been to the playoff ever in their history, they're the ones I would bet on. It wouldn't be Tennessee because of the gauntlet that they've got late in the season. They've got to go to Georgia. they got to win. they got to win in an SEC championship game. I actually think it's UCLA. I really think it's UCLA, and they're built for it. Their structure is built for it, and I think that they win this weekend in Autzen Stadium against Oregon. All right, next up. Number 17, Kansas State at number 8, TCU. Great matchup in the Big 12, just like uh, the previous one we were just talking about. These are the last two conference undefeateds in the Big 12. By the way, these conferences, and again, please go back and listen to Wednesday's podcast. Uh, That episode, I talked about divisions and why the Pac-12 and the Big 12 have it so much better this year and why these games are so much more interesting. And these two that I'm talking about right here are examples of that without divisions these games are fantastic tcu at home through this gauntlet they just continue to play rank team after rank team after rank team and they don't flinch okay so last week it was oklahoma state they they are down they face a deficit and their quarterback max duggan just kind of willed them to victory and i really love duggan and if you want to hear more of my thoughts on him and his story his story of perseverance. Go back and listen to Monday's episode. TCU's favored by three and a half. Um, you could see like, is this gauntlet too much? Are they going to get tired? And if there's a team that can expose you when you're tired, isn't it kind of the methodical sound play of Kansas State? And maybe that's the case, and I think that might be reflected in the line with TCU only favored by three and a half. I I really love this quarterback battle because it's not just two veteran quarterbacks, but it's also guys that have overcome a lot in their career. Adrian Martinez for Kansas State, we kind of know what he's overcome. He transfers from Nebraska. It did not go well for him there. They turned it over too much. That whole era of Nebraska football is just, let's be honest it was a disaster uh he suffered from some injuries he played through some injuries the guy i respect a tremendous amount a tremendous amount and i love seeing him find success here on the other side down at kansas state i really do um is similar at tcu now while he didn't transfer this is a guy that played really well early in his career and then once The COVID season is happening, and myocarditis becomes a thing that we all know about. Then all of a sudden, everyone gets checked. They get an EKG, and they find a a heart issue with him that he's had from birth, non-COVID-related, that makes him have to go have a heart procedure as a young man, and he battles his way back, and he battles his way back onto the field and plays. And then Gary Patterson is let go from TCU, and so he gets a new coach, and he stays. He doesn't transfer And he loses his job and he stays when Chandler Morris became the starter at the beginning of the season and he just waits his time and then Chandler Morris goes down in the first game of the year against Colorado and all he's done is come out there uh, out here and put himself in what I've seen some places is like in the top 10 in terms of Heisman odds. I love his story. Both of these young men have face-down adversity, and they're coming out of it on the other side. And I love that. I love that about this game. I love that about this matchup. So you've got these two veteran quarterbacks, Max Duggan and Adrian Martinez. You've got the best two rushing teams in the Big 12. But where it falls short for Kansas State is that they just do not have an offense that has another gear. I love Deuce Vaughn. I think he's one of my favorite players in the country. I think this guy is going to have a Sproles-esque NFL career again, love him, but outside of Adrian Martinez and Deuce Vaughn, they just don't have much. They're the ninth best scoring offense in the big 12. I don't think that that works. Not when you're going to face TCU and TCU is at home. Remember this TCU team led by their quarterback offensively is a bit of a juggernaut. Okay. They're the offense that would be right behind Ohio state and Tennessee Did you know that? Did you know that they were number three in the country in total offense and scoring offense? That's going to be very difficult for Kansas State to overcome, in particular on the road. This is going to be the first in a three-game stretch where we're going to find out everything we need to find out about Kansas State. Kansas State has TCU this week, then they've got Oklahoma State, then they've got Texas. All right. So if they're going to be for real, if that team is going to be a team that's going to make a run to the Big 12 title, we're going to find out this week. This week is where their season starts. So Adrian Martinez has got to have to play his best game. Deuce Vaughn is going to have to play his best game. And they're going to have to hope that Max Duggan and that TCU offense have an off day. TCU favored by three and a half. I think that they win this game. I think they win it by more than the three and a half. And I think that they continue to build towards a big 12 championship game appearance. If they win this game, similar to that Pac-12 matchup I was just talking about, boy, they're in a good position with a one game lead over essentially everybody in the conference. All right, next up. Number 20, Texas at number 11, Oklahoma State. So Oklahoma State's trying to bounce back after that loss uh, last week on the road to TCU. And Texas is going to have to try to find the same level of play that they had in the first quarter against Alabama and during the entire game against Oklahoma. Here's what we've seen from Texas, okay? And I've been effusive in my praise of Texas, and you all know that. And and yet we've seen from this Texas team – Similar patterns to what we've seen in prior years, which is play really well and play really poorly. I did not feel like they played well, albeit in a win against Iowa State. Now, the difference might be that this year they play poorly and they still win. Now, they didn't again Texas Tech, and so they've got the two losses and the one loss in conference. But at least they won last week. And I don't think Iowa State is great, but at least Texas was able to win the game. And I think that that's an important distinction when you're looking at what their history has been over the last couple of years. Normally what you've seen is they play really well and they get a win and they get all this buzz and everyone jumps on the bandwagon and then they play poorly and lose and they didn't and they didn't. You've heard me say, and I'll say it again with Quinn Ewers as their starting quarterback. I think that team's really good. I think that they're really good. Um, I think that their defense is actually underrated. When you look at the Big 12, in terms of total defense, Texas is the second total defense in the Big 12. Oklahoma State is eighth. So there's a a clear distinction there. We saw Oklahoma State not play well on the defensive side late in that game against TCU, and they're gonna be facing a much better quarterback. Big games, in particular ranked matchups, typically come down to quarterback play. There is a huge advantage for Texas as far as quarterback play. Not that Spencer Sanders hasn't played well at times, but he's not fully healthy. And so if you look at his performance over the last two games, you'll see a quarterback that has not completed 50% of his passes. They are banged up physically around him. Jaden Bray, the wide receiver, Preston Wilson, the center. Those two guys not being on the field a week ago really hurt. Spencer Sanders, there was some doubt about whether he was going to be able to go. So we'll see if he's healthy this year. That, that matchup is, is not great for Oklahoma State. Because of the fact that while Spencer Sanders has an immense amount of experience, 39 games played, uh, over 1,090 attempts in his career, he's also thrown 34 interceptions. So while Ewers is not experienced and only played in four games and only has 93 attempts total in his college career, we've seen him play to a much higher level just in those four games than we've seen from Spencer Sanders. In particular, right now, if if you look at it as a snapshot you'll see one quarterback trending up and the other quarterback trending down. And that's bad news for Oklahoma State. Texas is favored by 6.5, and I think that Texas wins, but that's a lot. That number's a lot. I don't know what I would do with that line. I would probably lay the 250 to win 100 on the money line. All right, so Texas is minus 250. I would probably risk the 250 to win 100 because I'm confident that Texas can win at Oklahoma State. In fact, the last time they went to Oklahoma State, they were able to get a win in the COVID year. That was the last loss that uh, Oklahoma State had in Boone Pickens Stadium. The one thing, one thing I will say for Oklahoma State is they can get after it on the defensive side as far as getting to the quarterback. They are leading the Big 12 in sacks, and if you're going to beat Texas, you've got to impact their quarterback Quinn Ewers. That's what Bama was able to do, and you've got to get back there and cause him to be uncomfortable. So that's where I sit. I would lay the 250 and take te- take Texas on the money line. All right, next up, number 14 Syracuse at number five Clemson. So this is midnight for Cinderella, right? I mean, can we all agree? I love the story of Qs. Sean Tucker been fantastic. I'm um, very happy for Dino Babers and what they've been able to do there with Cuse. Their defense has been very good, but this this is Clemson. This is just a a different league. This is a different step for Syracuse. I, I don't think that they're ready for this. They have not faced a top 20 opponent. They have not been tested. They do not have the talent or the roster that Clemson does. And Clemson's the best home team, at least right now in America. They've got the longest home winning streak in the country at 37 games. They only give up 12 points per game at home as a defense, and they're the top rush defense in the ACC. So when you look at that and you look at how does Syracuse move the ball with Sean Tucker running the football, What's the biggest strength for Syracuse? Their defense and running the ball. And I think that that gets negated because Clemson is at home. DJ Youngalele has played much better offensively. And this is a team that I think is gonna win this game. Clemson is favored by 13 and a half. And I think that they cover that. I think that they cover the 13 and a half. I know it's a big number for an undefeated matchup, but they're just better and, and they will I firmly believe they will play really well on the offensive side, and Cuse does not have that gear. They don't have the gear to go and match Clemson, in particular on the road, and in particular against that defense against their rushing attack. So I've got Clemson, and I'm going to give the 13 and a half. All right, next up. Number 24, Mississippi State at number 6, Alabama. Is is anybody else interested to see how Bama – bounces back? And and does anyone think that they're not going to bounce back in a major fashion? I just don't think Mississippi State stands a chance in this game. I know, I know it's a ranked matchup. I think you can call into question why Mississippi State is ranked, although I know it's hard at the back end. You get from 20 to about 30, and any of those teams could be ranked, but Mississippi State gets the benefit of the doubt. Bama's favored by 21. You would have to lay... to win $100. It might be the easiest $100 you can possibly win because Bama's not losing this game. They're just just not. One, they're much better at home. The two teams that they've really struggled with in terms of stopping their passing game had elite quarterbacks. Elite. Quinn Ewers and then Hendon Hooker. Um, The passing game for Mike Leach and Mississippi State can be slowed down. Nick Saban knows that. Now, they did give up 300 yards uh, to the Bulldogs last year in their matchup. But all you've got to do is play that bracket-style zone coverage, and it becomes really difficult on the quarterback, and it allows your pass rush to get home. And I think it's still an elite pass rush. If they try to play man, Mississippi State has a chance because everything in that offense is progression red. And, and the way that Mike Leach coaches it in that air raid system is that you attack the grass. And so the quarterback doesn't have a timing mechanism in his head or even in his feet, which I really believe in as a quarterback. He's just a, trying to attack the grass and read the progression in order to attack the open spaces within the coverage. Well, when you play zone and you make it muddy, For the quarterback he's got to hold the ball when he holds the ball a good pass rush can get home now teams that cannot get to the quarterback will eventually get eaten up but the teams that can get to the quarterback eat up mississippi state so for those reasons on the defensive side i think that alabama will play much better in the secondary and much better defensively they're not going to be embarrassed by some quarterback for the second straight week I just don't think that that's gonna happen. This team will bounce back. They're always better at home. I've gone over and over and over that, why they're not as good on the, on, on, on the road as as what they are at home. And they're motivated. They talked about having competitive anxiety. Can you believe that? Will Anderson said, well, I don't know, maybe we were just anxious about the game. I, I was pretty surprised to hear that, but I don't expect that to continue this team in their last 50 home games alabama is 49 and one the only team to beat alabama in tuscaloosa in the last 50 tries is joe burrow's lsu team you really think mississippi state is anywhere near joe burrow's lsu team absolutely not and you can you can Try to argue that this Alabama team is not the same, but they are in a, in a certain respect because they still have that head coach. They still have absolute dogs rushing the, the, the quarterback like Will Anderson and Dallas Turner and that quarterback Bryce Young when he's on the field, the opposition doesn't stand a chance. Not even Tennessee's defense, right? I mean, like, listen, listen, Bryce Young makes them elite on offense when he's on the field and they're at home. They're almost impossible to beat. There is no chance Mississippi State wins this game. The 21 is interesting in terms of the line. I would rather risk the $1,250 to win 100 Again, I think that's the same. That's like putting your $1,250 in a vault. And someone's just going to give you a, a, a hundy, you know, like, Hey, you want to see note? Yeah. What do you have to do? Put $1,250 in a vault and leave it there for three hours. Oh, okay, great. And then are you going to give me the code to the vault afterwards? Yep. Going to give you the code. Okay, great. So all I have to do is risk that money to win a hundred. Okay. I'll take that. I'll take that all day long. Cause there is again, no chance that Mississippi state beats Alabama. And if they do, I will be the first one on Monday to come on this show and eat the biggest helping of crow that I've ever eaten in my entire life. All right, that's going to do it for today's program. I can't wait for this Saturday. Remember, Gus, Jenny, and I, we're going to be in the horseshoe. We've got Iowa State, or excuse me, Ohio State. hosting Iowa uh, in that matchup in the Big Ten. Can't wait for that. Big noon kickoff is gonna be there. All the guys will be there. And then a really good slate after that, uh, in particular on Fox, as uh, Brock is gonna call UCLA and Oregon. Uh, wish him the best there with uh, Jason Benetti. So, and Allison Williams, by the way, they do a fantastic job. So best of luck to them in that great Pac-12 matchup. Great matchups all around. Enjoy the college football. And remember, follow us, subscribe to the show, leave us a review, share it with a friend. This is the Joel Klatt Show, and I'm Joel Klatt. Thanks for listening.